you were with us last Sunday, you probably know where we're going back to um, over in Psalms 103. Psalms 103, we didn't quite finish our thoughts, and we would like to, Lord willing, complete those thoughts that we have today, if it be the Lord's will, and the first few verses of Psalms 103. As a reminder, he starts off this psalm saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And not only, O my soul, but he goes on to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Soul, body, and spirit. All that is within me. Bless his holy name. Our lives ought to be as servants to the Lord. Our responsibilities, our vocation, if you will, in this life ought to be blessing the Lord with all that we are, with our whole body and everything that we say and everything that we do ought to be a blessing to the Lord. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. I assure you, if you'll keep in mind the benefits of the Lord, it will be a great aid to you in remembering to bless the Lord with all that you are. I mentioned last Sunday that there are those that have the great benefit of being born into a loving family. Not everybody has that benefit. Some are born into families that are not loving at all. I was thankful, and that was a benefit that I had, that I was born into a loving family. Then others are born into a family that not only is it love, they are loving, but they are providers. They provide for them. They're able to support them. That's a great benefit in this life. And if that is your testimony this morning with your family, that is a great blessing. That is a great benefit. But I want to tell you a greater benefit than that is the benefit that we receive in the family of God. The benefit and the love that we have there. While we may be in a family that doesn't demonstrate love, I want to tell you, you're in a family that is all about love. And not only all about love, but you're in a family and your Father will provide for you. Not only will He provide for you in this life, but your Heavenly Father has provided for you from eternity before to eternity future. What a wonderful benefit that is. To be born into that family. To be translated out of the family of Adam and placed into the family of God. And as we said last Sunday, not only is He loving, not only is He uh, not only is he able to provide, but he is rich. What a great benefit that is. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. He is rich 
in mercy, the Bible says. The Bible says He is rich in grace. And when the Bible says that He is rich in mercy and rich in grace, that means He is not spent out. And God cannot be spent out of His mercy, of His grace, of His everlasting love, of His providential care for us, and of the promises through His faith from before the foundation of the world that He elected a people of the, of the fallen family of Adam to be with Him in eternity. What a great benefit that is. Regardless of the benefits or no benefits that you have in this life, if you're worried about because you don't have all the benefits you feel like you want, you got your mind, you got your eyes in the wrong place. Because the benefits you have far outweigh any benefits that you could ever have in this life. They far outweigh it. We began to talk about the benefits last Sunday. And he says, in the next few verses, reminds us of the benefits that we have. The first one that we talked about in the third verse, it says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. What a great benefit that we have a Heavenly Father that forgives us when we sin. That we can go to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in time of need. It's a mercy of grace. Or it's a, it's a throne of grace. It's a throne of mercy. And we can go there to that throne. And we can, and we can, and we can call upon our Heavenly Father who forgives us for our sins. He is just, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't want to, if I'm not careful, I'm going to re-preach what I preached last Sunday. I'm not going to be able to get to what, the, the new, newer part of it. But who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. God, Jesus Christ, certainly heals our natural affirmities, our natural afflictions, our natural diseases. We see that time and time again in the New Testament. And I'm convinced that God still does that now today. But I want to tell you, I believe that this healing here is not talking about our natural uh, are, uh, is not talking about our natural uh, diseases. I think it's talking about uh, our sin-sick souls. When we hear the good news of Jesus Christ, uh, He can heal that. When we feel to be lost, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Uh, the Lord through the Gospel can heal us of our infirmities and, and assure us that we are righteous uh, through Christ and through what Jesus Christ has done. He goes on to say, in the fourth verse, here's some other benefits that you have being part of this family that we have been redeemed. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. He came and bought you off, if you will, off the auction block. He redeemed us. He purchased back his that that He already possessed from before the foundation of the world. What a great benefit that is. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions, they fail not. 
They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. His loving kindness and His tender mercies. What a great benefit that we have His loving kindness. That we have His tender mercies. These are all wonderful benefits that we have being part of this family. And the more that we understand and the more that we keep that in the forefront of our mind and in the forefront of our lives, the more and more we'll bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. The more that we'll be looking to the Lord, the more that we'll be remembering what we have because of the benefits of being into the, in the household of God. Well, he goes on to say, and we want to pick it up here in the uh, fifth verse, and we're just not, we're not going to go past the sixth verse. I believe we'll find the benefits here and, and, in these verses, in these first six verses of Psalms 103. He says, in another benefit, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things? Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things? Boy, now that's a benefit of the Lord. That's a benefit we need. You remember when Israel was in the wilderness and they were given that manna, that, that white stuff that looked like coriander seed and and made of and tasted uh, like wafers of honey. It was palatable to the taste. It was good to eat. And you remember the Lord providentially, the Lord provided for them daily an omerful. That they were to go to get an omerful, and they were to they were to, and that was that was their sustenance. The Lord gave them that. He says, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. But I want you to see that that manna that came down from heaven, that fed the children of Israel, fed them and nourished them for 40 years, is a great type of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we go to the 6th chapter of John, and in the 6th chapter of John... He says in the 31st verse, Our fathers did eat manna in the the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. You remember the Lord said in Matthew and in another place, He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Live. You see, bread doesn't give life. It sustains life. It nourishes the life that you already have. And the Bible tells us here that He is that bread. Listen to what He says. Then said they unto, unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. I am that heavenly manna come down from heaven. I am 
am that bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. You see, there we see that he satisfied thy mouth with good things. With the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Something that we can savor on. Something uh, that we can rejoice in. You know, he said over in the first chapter of Second Peter, he said, Wherefore laying aside all malice. Now he said, remember what he says here. He says, lay it aside. He didn't say you didn't have it. You know why? Because you got it. He said, lay it aside. He said, lay aside. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and all envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire this. Don't lay that aside. Don't desire those things. But desire something else. He says, as newborn babes. You know what a newborn babe? You know the first thing they want? Is they want their mother's milk. They want to be fed. And for months, or, or a couple of years perhaps, that, that is, that is their go-to, right? Is that milk? Is that nutrition? They, they hunger for that. They desire that. It helps them to grow. It nurses them. It strengthens it strengthen them. It strengthens them. I've seen a lot of babies that hated to have their diapers changed. You ever seen that? I mean, where they get into that stage where they just go berserk. Or, or they hated to take a bath. They didn't like to get wet or something like that. But I never saw one that hated to drink milk. They always. I've never seen one complain about that. He says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be. Now see, listen to what he says. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You remember what he said back over here in Psalms 103 and verse 5? Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. You know what we're desire? The sincere milk of the Word. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Have you tasted in your life the grace of God towards you? If you have tasted that, He's telling us what to put away and what to desire. To put Him first. To remember His benefits in the church. To remember His benefits through the Gospel preaching. He said over in Psalms 119, I, I don't get, I don't, it's about 100 or 103 or so, Psalms 119. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my, to thy, to my mouth. How sweet are thy words to my taste. Yes, yeah, sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know, that's how God's Word ought to be to us. He feeds us that. Something that's good. Something uh, that we can rejoice in. In Psalms um, 63. Even in our bed of affliction, 
we can find cause to rejoice in the Lord. Have you ever been scourged on the back 39 times, 40 times, save one with a cat of nine tails? Where it has just opened your back up? Sometimes they say, I've heard in the historians say that sometimes it exposes the kidneys. You can get, it just opens, it just opens your back up. You know, that's affliction. That's affliction. I, I read where two were beaten in such a way. And then they were thrown into the inner prison and laid fast in stocks. And there they were to stay, Paul and Silas. Now that's some affliction there. Can you imagine the pain? You know Paul after all the all the scourgings and the rods that he received and the being stoned and all those things, you never did hear anything in there about him complaining about his sufferings, did you? Nothing. Why, if it had been me, I'd have devoted one or two chapters of it. <laughs> I'd want you to know just how bad I suffered. But Paul didn't do that. You know what Paul did? He kept speaking of the Lord. His pain physical pain and his physical suffering didn't have anything to do with his mission. And you know what he did while he was there? Him and Paul and Silas, this Bible says, it was about midnight. And I can just see old Paul turning over to Silas, turning his head over to Silas. Backs ripped open. And the Apostle Paul says... Let's just sing some praises to the Lord. <laughs> Is there peace in affliction? Is there comfort in affliction? Absolutely. You know the rest of the story. They began to sing to the Lord and the shackles were freed. The, the prisoners heard them. They were loosed of their shackles. The prison door came open. But they didn't leave. You know why they didn't leave? Prisons would palaces prove if Jesus would dwell with me there. He's right where he needed to be in the manifested presence of God. Whether we're in the valley or whether we're on the hill. If you have the manifested presence of God, you rejoice in that regardless of what your situation is. Here he says over in Psalm 63, And verse 5, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. Remember what we said, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Now that's easy to do, isn't it? When everything's going good. When everything's coming up roses, you can say, Amen, brother. I'll praise Him with my lips. I'm satisfied with marrow and fatness. I mean, I'm just full of the Lord. Everything's going good. And then tomorrow you find out some bad news. It's just like... Phew. But listen what the psalmist says here. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee 
upon my bed. What bed is that talking about? It's talking about the bed of affliction. You see, what the psalmist is doing is he's he's encouraging us to, to rejoice and to remember the goodness of God, not just when times are good, but when times are not so good. When we go through those trials, when we go through those afflictions, listen to what he says. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. When it just feels like the night watches, it's just dark, you feel distant. You know what we ought to do? Is praise the Lord with joyful lips. With joyful lips. If you come and you sing songs and, and you're just doing it because that's just the thing to do, you're not doing it right. You ought to be singing with joyful lips. Be not drunk on wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit, singing to yourselves in psalms and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. That melody is talking about that melody that the Lord hears that comes from joyful lips. Regardless of whether we're on our bed of affliction, the night time, the night watches in our lives, we ought to praise the Lord. Because of the benefits that we have in Him in 34.8, Psalms 34.8, while we're so close to it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Remember what we said? Who satisfies thy mouth with good things? I want to keep going back to that. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. What a great benefit that we have. What a great benefit that we have to hear His Gospel. What a great benefit that we have that He set up the church that we can come together in His house and we can rejoice. The poor, uh, the, the afflicted, the spiritually sick, we can come to His house and we can be reminded of the benefits that we have being in the household and family of God. And it's there that we can rejoice in those things. He says, Who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that there's a reason for this. I want you to understand. So that. So that is the conclusion of the first statement. He's telling you why He satisfieth your mouth with good things. What are those good things? Of grace, of mercy, of the knowledge of what He has done for us, of the Gospel. We taste those things, we, in a sense, and and we rejoice in them. And what is the effect of it? (coughs) Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Now you say, well, now what are you talking about? Our youth is renewed like the eagles. I don't feel, I, I, every day I'm not feeling any younger. I feel like I'm getting older. And the fact is, I am getting older. And the fact is, you are getting older day by day, uh, minute by minute, second by second. So what is he talking about the youth? 
The youth that he is talking about here, when he says, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's wings, he's talking about the youth of grace. He's talking about the youth of grace. He's talking about the renewal of spiritual love and affection. You see, when, we, when we're reminded of the benefits of the Lord, when we're reminded of that that He gives us that is pleasing to the palate, it ought to renew us in our lives. It ought to bring about a revival in looking to the Lord. It ought to bring about a revival in, in searching out God and trusting Him in our lives. I want to tell you, we need revival in this land. We need revival in the church. And I want to tell you where revival starts with. Revival starts with the church. Revival starts with you. And it starts with me. It, it starts with being renewed. You know, an eagle, he says, <coughs> who, say, who uh, as thy youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, the bald eagle said to only live about 30, uh, 32, 33 max years. But they go in, they molt. That is, they lose their feathers and, and new ones grow back. They have to, because those feathers get wore out and beaten up. And so those eagles will molt. Well, when they molt, it's just a couple of feathers at a time. It's not, they don't just all fall off. Or the eagle would be in big trouble. It couldn't eat and it would be subject to predators. <clears throat> it couldn't fly. What it does is it'll lose a wing, it'll lose a feather on one wing in one place. But did you know God is so designed that when they lose that feather in that place, they'll also lose the same feather on the other wing? They'll both come out at the same time. So that when that bird takes flight, it's not disrupting its balance, it's not disrupting its way of flight so that it can still hunt, it can still do those things. So it's, it's, it's a slow molting process. And in a matter of time, that eagle has brand new wings. And it's renewed. But it doesn't just happen overnight. The Lord told us over in... It's in, a, it's in Ephesians. says over in Ephesians chapter 4 he says in verses here in verse 22 that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust that you put it off and be renewed here's a renewal and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. You see, we're to take something off just like that eagle. We're to take off those old feathers, those, that old corruption, but we're to put on something new. And we're to renew ourselves by putting that something new on. We're to throw away that old garment. And we're to put on that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. How do we do that? He says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. To be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We need to 
we need to reclaim that in our lives. You remember over in the 12th chapter of Romans when the Apostle Paul was talking there. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed. There's too much conformity to this world. But rather, be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. Not on the ungodliness of this world. The renewing of your mind on the things of God. Our lives ought to be glorifying to God. Not glorifying to this world. We ought to be living in such a way that God is magnified in our lives. He goes on to say, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How are we transformed? How do we transform ourselves into a form that is pleasing to God? Be not conformed to this world, but rather be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Who does that? Does God do that? No. Who does that? I do that. I have to renew my mind by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove. That you may prove how? By your actions, by your mind, by your walk, by your talk. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know why? Because He's your Father. And He has blessed us with benefits. We ought to take a more earnest heed to these things which we have heard, lest at any time we let them slip, the Apostle Paul said. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles over in Psalms, I mean Isaiah, I'm sorry, the last verse of Isaiah, Isaiah 40. Well, we'll start off in the 28th verse to get the whole thought. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Father, the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. You ever thought about, I'm just wearying God with my prayers? I'm just wearying Him with my concerns? The Bible tells me He doesn't get weary. The Bible tells me He doesn't get weary, He doesn't faint. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increases strength. When I am weak, then am I made strong? He goes on to say, Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they, but they, who? The young, the old, whoever. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Wait upon the Lord. 
shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. As an individual in the church, is the Lord still satisfying your mouth with good things? Is it still a blessing to you? Is it better than honey on the tongue? Is it good enough to cause you to have that youth of grace? To have that that the church at Ephesus had left? They had left their first love. He said, return. There was something that they had to do. Return to thy first love, or else I will come quickly and remove the candlestick from out of its place. Have you lost that? Have we as a church lost that? These are just questions we must ponder. These are questions we must think about. Do you remember back when God's Word was as fresh and as sweet as honey? And you desired it as much as you could get? Do you remember, if this is not the case now, that you sprung up out of bed on Sunday morning? Ready to go to the Lord's house? Or do you have to set the alarm and roll out at the very last second? And get that last five, if I could just get five more minutes in. Don't act like y'all don't do that. (laughs) I'm human too. This is for me too. When's the last time you sprung up out of bed? Said to yourself, said to your spouse, said to your family, we're going to the Lord's house today. We're going there today to worship God. We're going there today to rejoice in the benefits that we have being of the family and the household of our Heavenly Father. There's only one way to do that. We've already mentioned that. It's to renew our minds. Desire the sincere milk of the word. Be not conformed to this world, but rather be transformed. That's what we need in this life. There are too many things out there right now, today, this minute, this hour, this second, that the devil has placed to do one thing, and that is to distract the child of God from God. It's to completely get our minds off our Heavenly Father. And I want to tell you, Satan is winning a great victory today. That God is not... You hear all sorts of stuff mentioned on the television, but you don't hear anything about God mentioned. You don't hear anything about looking to the Lord. And if you do, somebody's liable to string you up. What happened to... In God we trust. What happened to putting God first in all that we do? Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. 
Verse 6. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. For all that are oppressed. He executeth righteousness and judgment. His justice, in other words, is right to those who are oppressed. You say oppressed how? Physically? Mentally? Spiritually? Yes, yes, and yes. Look to the Lord. Don't look to other things in this world. You look to the Lord. He's there to execute that righteousness. He's there to execute that judgment to all of those that are oppressed. Do you remember Israel was in a great oppression, weren't they? Israel, when they were in the land of Egypt, were oppressed. And it was the Lord that came to them and delivered them out of that oppression over in Judges chapter 6 and verse 9. It says, And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drove you and, and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. You ever been oppressed in one form or another? What a great benefit that we have. That God, our Father, the one that we should be glorifying with our soul and all that in us is, is righteous. And His judgment is just. And He'll be there in our oppression. What a great benefit that is. He's there for us when we're oppressed with sin. You know, when we're tempted to sin. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of children of God, that have just given away, that have basically lost their lives over to drugs and, and things like that. Doesn't mean they're not a child of God, but they sure have destroyed, they're sure living a, a hell on earth. And they've destroyed their lives because of those things. And there are sins that tempt each and every one of us. The devil knows your weakness. The devil knows your weakness. And I can assure you of one thing. If you're ever able to strengthen that weakness and make that weakness strong, you know what the devil will do? I know this by experience. He'll find another weakness. He'll find another chink in the wall. He'll find another crack somewhere. He's not done with you. He knows your weaknesses. If you, if you master, if you come because of the help of God, if you come victorious over one, there's going to be another one. Life's not all going to be a bed of roses then. The devil's not, the devil's not done with you. Not in this life. He, he, he'll have to, he'll have to give up when you lay down your armor. Go home to be with the Lord, but until then we're to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're to put on that armor of God. We're to recognize that Satan is real. And the temptations of sin are real. <coughs> and we can oppress ourselves in sin. The Lord tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken thee. But such as is common to man. How many times have I heard people say, nobody knows my 
temptation. Nobody knows my grief. Nobody knows this. Nobody knows that. You haven't been through anything that somebody else million times over hasn't been through. There is no temptation taken thee, but such as is common to man. It's a common temptation. And God is faithful, who will not suffer us to be tempted above that which we are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that we might be able to bear it. If you ever say, well, I just got too tempted and and I just couldn't say no, you weren't looking to the Lord for deliverance. (laughs) And you fell into that oppression. Joseph fled. You know, the Bible says, flee youthful lusts. That's exactly what Joseph did in Potiphar's house. When Potiphar's wife came to him day by day by day wanting to lie with Joseph. And Joseph left, and you know the story there, that he, he left so quick, he left, his, he left his coat there. And she used that against him, and the next time we read about Joseph, he's in jail for something that he didn't commit. But that's another story. Sin. We can be oppressed in sin. But it is the Lord, if we'll turn to Him, it is the Lord that will execute righteousness towards us. That will deliver us from that. You know, a lot of times families will say, I'm just going to give you one more chance and that's it. One more chance and that's it. We've given you chance after chance after chance. And I understand that. There is a a breaking point, right? There's got to be a breaking point at some some time, at some point. So I'm, I'm not criticizing that. But what I'm saying is, God is always there for us to execute that righteousness. How many times did Israel, as we said at the beginning, go against God? If it would have been me, I'd have said, you know, I've given you five, six, seven chances and you haven't learned. I'm, 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 I'm done with you. That's it. But every time that they turn to the Lord, The Lord forgave them, and His righteous judgment blessed them. And they were brought out of their oppression. We can be brought into oppression through sorrow and grief. Psalms 34. Psalms 34 and um, 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Many of the afflictions are are of the righteous. Many afflictions, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. God is there for us, even in our times of sorrow. 
God is there for us even in our times of grief in 42 in Psalms 42. He says, well, Psalms 42, well, 42.5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I yet shall praise him for the help of his countenance. And we see that many times, that quoted many times, that scripture there, that fifth verse, many times in the psalm, almost exactly. Why art thou cast down on my soul, and why disquieted thou in me? Hope thou in God, and Him alone. Even when we're down spiritually, or whatever it may be, the Lord, our Heavenly Father, is there to help the oppressed, to bring us out of our situations, to bring us back from the valley to the mountaintop, and to cause us to look to Him. That doesn't mean that afflictions... Trials, uh, that, that the pain and the suffering and the sorrow and the grief is going to end, brothers and sisters. It's still going to be there. But it does mean that He's going to give you the strength to endure it. He'll give you the strength <clears throat> to be able to go through it if we look to Him, if we trust in Him. <clears throat> David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comforteth me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Aren't you glad that David there in that psalm, he didn't say, yea, though I walk into the valley of the shadow of death? Into it doesn't apply coming out. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, dear child of God, there's another side to it. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And God is there. God will help us while we're in that. He's not waiting on you on the other end. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is with Him now. The Lord is with us now. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfortest me. Thou art with me. The Lord's with you in the valley of the shadow of death. The Lord is with you in your troubles and trials. The Lord is with you in your afflictions, in your sorrows, and in your griefs. Dear child of God, when we get oppressed like that, as I said, that doesn't mean that the Lord's with us. Uh, David didn't say that he wouldn't be a shadow of death anymore. It's still a shadow of death. But brothers and sisters, he said, yea, though I walk through it. I want to tell you something, dear child of God. We're all going to walk through it one day in this life. I want to tell you what the other side is. The other side is when the Lord comes and brings us home to be with Him. This life is a shadow of, uh, of the valley of the shadow of death. <coughs> but you know, a shadow can't hurt you. You ever, you ever, you ever passed an 18 wheeler on the highway? You both going eastbound or both going westbound and you get in the shadow of that truck? That shadow ever hurt you? <laughs> the shadow's not gonna hurt you. That truck will hurt you. 
That trap don't hurt you if it, if it happens to swerve, but that shadow ain't going to hurt you. I want to tell you, dear child of God, there's nothing that's got control over you in this life but your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's there for us now. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. He's there for us now. What we have to do is we have to remember and recognize the beautiful benefits and blessings of our Heavenly Father. Not only is it time of sorrow and grief, but He delivered us from the oppression of the law. We were under the law of sin and death. The Apostle Paul said in the 8th chapter of Romans, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, verse 2, for the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You're not oppressed under that law anymore, dear child of God. We as Isaac was, Paul said in the fourth chapter of Galatians, I believe it is, we as Isaac was are the children of promise. You know Isaac and Ishmael when they were in that house? Ishmael was in bondage. Isaac was the free man (laughs) born of Sarah. But we, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. We were under that law. But thanks be to God, Jesus Christ came under that law. You remember what He said in the fourth chapter of Galatians. In the book of Galatia, the Apostle Paul, talking about that law, would say, and because yours, uh, he says, but when in the fourth verse, but when the fullness of the time was come, the full God sent Jesus Christ at God's time. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman. Listen to this: made under the law. Christ is under the law. We're, we were under the law. But you know who was between us and the law? It was Christ who was still under the law. You understand what I'm saying? He bore the law. He fulfilled the law to a jot and a tittle. He nailed our ordinances that were against us. Our, the ordinances that were against us were nailed on a tree, Paul says in the second chapter of Colossians. And I won't tell you what tree that is. And I won't tell you where that nail pierced. That nail pierced our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's hands and feet. And that ordinance that was against us was the law. And we are not oppressed under the law anymore. We are free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, shall make you free, he said in the eighth chapter of John. What a wonderful, what a wonderful thing it is to remember those precious uh, benefits. And then also another one that we get, uh, another benefit as far as the oppressed can be found over in Psalms 9 and 9. I let you all out early last Sunday. I hope you didn't think that was going to be a regular thing. <laughs> Psalms 9 and 9. 
The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. Child of God goes through troubles in this life. The Lord says, I'm a refuge for those that are oppressed in times of trouble. When you have times of trouble, where do you run to? Well, some people run to the liquor bottle. Some people will run to here, run to the lake, run to the, run to the parkway, run here and run there. No better place to run to than in the arms of God in times of trouble. It's oftentimes in times of trouble when our, well it's every time in times of trouble when our faith is tested. And isn't it amazing that time and time we see again and again those that when they go through these tests, when they go through these troubles that they don't exercise their faith at all. I don't understand that. People will talk about their faith and what great faith they have when everything's going good, but then when trouble comes, it seems like they've lost the exercise of their faith. That's when you need faith. That's when you need to trust in the Lord in times of trouble. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, See, Jehoshaphat and the children of Judah were in some trouble. Not any trouble that they brought on. And I assure you that if you follow the Lord in this life and you follow His commands and His precepts, you don't have to go looking for trouble. Trouble will find you. Trouble will be there for the child of God. But we got a lot of benefits. <laughs> we got a Heavenly Father that is there for us in our time of trouble. That we can take refuge in the children of Judah and Jehoshaphat. Five kings and their armies coming up against Judah. This small band of people, comparatively speaking, compared to these other five kings and what they were bringing, could have very easily easily overtaken them. Judah, Jehoshaphat, began to fear. In the third verse, he says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Does that sound like somebody that's seeking refuge? Somebody that's trusting in the Lord? He had a fear. You see, fears are real in this life. But what did he do? He set himself to seek the Lord. Not to seek the things of this world, but to seek the Lord. How did that turn out for him? Good. That's right. Good. They won the victory. He says in the 12th verse, there's so much we could read in here, I'm just trying to get the high points. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know what we to do, but our eyes upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Didn't have, like a turtle out of a shell. We've got, we've got no protection. 
But Jehoshaphat realized he had the greatest protection he could have in the arms of God, in the protection of God. He told them, he says, in the 15th verse, he said, and it's easy to read these things and forget that they actually happened and to then try to meditate on the true fear that they had at that time. I mean, people nowadays, if they were up against that, they'd be trying to dig trenches and in caves and trying to find places to hide and, and doing all these things. And they, they didn't do anything. They just turned to the Lord. They looked to the Lord. And it says in the 15th verse, And he said, Hearken ye all Judah and all inhabitants, Habitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. <laughs> it's not your battle. Y'all just take a seat. It's not your battle. This is God's battle. You know what the Heavenly Father said? Son, I'll take care of this for you. You just sit down. And God did take care of that for them. They went out. The Lord sent them out to go before this great army. And you remember what He sent out in the front of Judah? He didn't send out the warriors. He didn't send out the chariots and the armies. He didn't send out those with the bow, experienced with the bow, the Bible tells us, if you read on in that 20th chapter, he sent out singers. Those were the in the front. Singers. And you know what they were doing? Just like old Paul in that cave. In that, in the, just like old Paul in that, in that prison. They were singing praises to the Lord. You know why they didn't have any weapons? They didn't need any all they needed to do was worship God, trust in God, have faith in God that God was going to give them a victory. And God did give them a victory. They all turned on each other and every one of them died. They all slew each other in the mass and confusion that God sent upon them. And the children of Judah were three days the Bible says, collecting the spoils that were on the battlefield. Collecting all the gold and the silver and the jewels and all those things. It took Judah three days to gather it all up. So not only did they trust in God, not only were they singing to the Lord, but the Lord rewarded them openly. The Lord rewarded them greatly in that. So we close by where we started. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that within me is. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. God bless you. I appreciate the time.